a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let the church say rejoice. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to everyone, or to all rather. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to build my subject, my sermon title on verse 7 as the key verse. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to preach for just a few minutes from the topic, my soul is anchored in the Lord. Right. My soul is anchored in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Pray for me. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for another opportunity to stand behind the sacred podium. I pray, God, that you would use me now as I stand to share your word. Pray, God, that your people will be edified and you will be glorified. Help me to articulate what you have given me to share. God, I pray now that you would release your preaching power over me now, God. I know me from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. God, I cannot stand without your help. And so, God, we just pray now that you would just have your way in me and through me. God, when it's all said and done, we'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. May your word change us forever. May it shift our thinking, may it change our behavior, and may it cause us to be more like your son, Jesus. May we grow into better disciples. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. My soul is anchored in the Lord. We live in a day and time, and I'm sure you've noticed by now, where you need to protect your mind, your body, and your soul. Amen. Amen. The soul, according to Britannica, is the immaterial part or essence of a human being. Your humanity is tied to your soul. The human soul is central to your personhood. It's essential to who you are. But I suggest this morning you should take care of your soul because that is what God is most concerned about regarding you. This is what is meant in John 3.16 when he says that whosoever believes in Jesus would not perish or would have everlasting or eternal life. Uh, repeatedly in the Bible, people are referred to as souls, especially in the context of those passages that focus on the value of human life or personhood. In other words, God cares about your whole being, your whole, your whole being, your mind, your body, and soul. Amen. And the reason being, because God created your soul. You, you're not just a frame walking around. You, you are a living human soul that God cares about. But our souls get tired sometimes. 
our souls can be strong or weak. In the case of salvation, our souls can be lost or saved. Amen. We know that the human soul needs atonement for sin. That's what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross at Calvary. Jesus is the, the ultimate shepherd of our souls. Amen. But Jesus also gives us, gives us rest or restoration for our souls. He says in Matthew 11, 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your, or unto your souls. Anybody ever experienced a tired soul before? Have you ever been tired and weary and just worn down? I'm not physically tired, but my soul is uh, tired and weary. But we have, to, we have to look to Jesus and find rest unto our souls. The, the question becomes what tugs on our souls or what could cause our souls to become weary or sometimes what, cause, what breaks our souls. Yeah. Oftentimes we find ourselves weary and worn down and sometimes, we'll be honest, we're ready to give up. We're just ready to give up. Perhaps the fact that we're sometimes ready to give up is a response to a broken or a weary soul. A broken or weary soul happens when, when we're dealing with stuff that is too much for us to handle. When we're trying to wrestle, when we're wrestling with stuff that is uh, bigger than what we're capable of handling. That's why we always got to depend on the Lord to help us in our time of need. A broken or weary soul it's often in response to the trials and stresses and tribulations and the difficulties of life. The good news is God heals our souls. He can restore our souls. Uh, that's why Jesus came and Jesus came to the earth. He came to the world to, to be an anchor for our souls, if you will. God ministers to our souls. Luke 4, 18 to 19, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. God cares about your heart. He cares about your soul. He cares about your whole well-being. Amen. God is concerned about the whole you, not just a piece of you or a part of you. Or a fraction of you. God cares about all of you. Isn't that good news this morning? This is a word of encouragement for you this morning. I don't know what you're going through. You Maybe you're up this week. Maybe you've been down this week. But whatever it is. God cares about you. Amen. So as we look at this letter to the Philippians. Paul gives some principles. How to keep our peace. How to keep our hearts guarded. How to keep our souls guarded. In times of trouble and hardship. Paul gives principles how to be steadfast in all that is going on around us. You know it's a whole lot of mess going on around us. Amen. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in it. Next thing you know, you're a messed up. Ready to give up. I, years ago, I used to be real bad about arguing and debating with people on, over politics. I had to pull back, y'all, because that stuff, if you're not careful, it will wear you out. First about who is the best president of all time. First about which party has the best policies and all this, that, and the other. 
Uh, some of us get worn down in relationships and friendships. And we get worn down on our job. We put up with a whole lot of mess. If you're not careful, your soul will become weary and you're ready to give up. I come to tell you this morning, your soul has to be anchored in the Lord or else you're going to find yourself weary. But Paul writes this letter. He has some concerns that he, that he wanted to express. And he also wrote this letter to warn of false teachers who were threatening the church. Paul, he, he explained his situation at Rome. Mind you, he's still in a Roman prison. All right? He's concerned about the divided Christian community here. His outlook was strengthened by the fact that Christ is still being magnified, even though he's locked up in jail. And so what we find in Philippians, Paul, he wants to encourage the church to unity, right? Yeah, yeah. Two things influenced him. The church at Rome was divided, and he lived with a daily reminder about the effects of disunity. Paul, in this letter, he reminded the believers of the humility of Jesus Christ. Yeah. They would allow the outlook of Christ to, to guide their lives, that harmony would be restored in the church. But then the third thing is that Paul, he, he warned the church to beware of Jewish legalists. These legalistic Jewish teachers, they, they, spread, they threatened to destroy the vitality of the congregation by calling them to be concerned with external stuff that had nothing to do with the church. Paul, he counted these legalist teachers with the forceful, forceful teaching of justi justification by faith. But then finally in chapter 4, Paul, he thanked them for their financial support. Church had sent money, and a, a trust, uh, trusted servant uh, took care of Paul by way of giving to the church. And this generosity that Paul received from the church it encouraged him in a personal time of need. Uh, this letter, this letter provides insight into church relationships. Paul he expresses again his concern for unity, but Christian unity, y'all, it comes when individual, individuals, when we develop the mind of Jesus Christ, when we take on the same mindset of Jesus Christ, that's how unity comes in the church. But not only that, when we take on the mindset of Jesus Christ, that's how we begin to anchor our souls in the Lord. And so Paul writes this church, this letter to the church, and I want to share some principles with you that can help us corporately, but also individually. Amen. I, I want to share some things with you that are important to your spiritual health. It's important to your spiritual growth and important for your soul. Amen? Yes. Here's the first thing. you got to be, if you want to guard your soul, if you're going to be anchored in the Lord, if, you, if you're concerned about your spiritual growth, number one, you got to be diligent about bringing closure to conflict. Mm. Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm getting longer with my points. Y'all forgive me. So I used to give you points in two words. Now I'm getting long, but you got to be diligent about bringing closure to conflict. I like this because he talks about these two women in verses 2 and 3. Apparently there's something going on between them. Any witnesses in the house? But we got we to hear this. We got we to be diligent about putting an end to conflict. As disciples of Jesus Christ, y'all, we must aim for harmony and work hard to bring closure to conflict. We should strive. We should strive to create and sustain unity and harmonious relationships with our brothers and sisters. 
Because if you know this, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you're always in conflict with somebody mm. or somebody's, uh, it's going to heat away at your soul. It's going to heat away at your soul. Let's be honest today. Paul, he makes a call for unity between Yodia, Yodia and Syntyche. He says in verse 2, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. But then he says in verse 3, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul, he makes a call for unity between these two women. He, he actually names them, but he doesn't give much detail about what they're fighting about right. or the nature of their disagreement. Can I tell you this morning, and you know it already, conflict in the church is harmful to the entire church. Uh, it, it may start out as a disagreement between two people, but if we're not careful, it will boil over into the t- entire congregation. Yes. It will boil over. Uh, some Sundays, y'all, when I'm cooking my collard greens, and I may go home and cook some today, I got a, I got a real, I got a dedicated collard green pot. I'm trying to give you an illustration. It, it, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll put the greens in the pot, fill it up with water, put the top on it, and then I'll turn the stove up too high. I go sit down and watch my football. Next thing you know, I hear some sizzling going on. That, that, that pot has boiled over because I didn't take care of it. I didn't do what I needed to do. That's the same way with conflict in the church. If we're not careful, conflict will boil over into the whole church. And next thing you know, the whole church is tore up. Because we didn't bring closure to conflict. I know we have disagreements. I know we all have different ideas and different perspectives on things, but we can never get, we can never let things get messy in the church. Unity and harmonious relationships should always be a priority in the church. Paul, he seems to be very bothered by this thing, and I understand, but the the fact that he put it in his letter means that it has some significance, y'all. It was more than just a passing disagreement. Uh, it, it appears that they wasn't fighting about what colors we should wear for church anniversary. I doubt that they were fighting about the menu for the church cookout. It, it was serious enough that Paul put it in this letter, so it was serious enough that it would it ran the risk of splitting up the church into more than one group. But Paul had faith in these women that they could solve this problem. But he also had faith in the church's ability to help solve the problem. Nothing is known about these women. We don't know who they are, where they came from. It's it's apparent that they had a prominent role in the church. They played a major part in the life of the church. But whatever the cause of the case may be, we should strive to bring closure. Amen. Conflict eats away at your soul. Some people... They walk around for years carrying grudges and anger at people. It's eating away at their soul. So I suggest to you this morning, if you want to be anchored in the Lord, you want your soul to be anchored in the Lord, if you're concerned about your spiritual well-being, you got to individually and corporately, we got to bring closure to conflict. Who are you mad at this morning? <laughs> 
I'm not suggesting we're perfect. None of our relationships are perfect. None of our friendships are perfect. Uh, sometimes we get offended by people. Sometimes we get rubbed the wrong way. But at the end of the day, we got to bring closure to God. Jesus, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus calls us to forgive one another. That's the hard part there, y'all. That's the hard part, if we'll be honest, because we, we carry these grudges for years. And our feelings get hurt, and we, we carry these hard feelings. Our feelings get harder than the pavement in the parking lot. But I suggest to you this morning, you can't afford to let your soul be broken by conflict. You can't afford to let your spiritual health be degraded by unresolved conflict. Don't live your life always mad at people. Don't live your life always holding grudges. I'm willing to bet somebody's mad at you for something you did 30 years ago. That's, that's, that's eating away at souls. Paul says work quickly to get it resolved. Work as best as you can and and get it resolved and get back focused on Jesus. I don't have time to worry about somebody else and Jesus. I, I, I want to stay focused on Jesus. Keep my mind fixed on Jesus. But here's the second thing: you got number one, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta find closure in conflict. But number two. We have to be consistent in practicing spiritual principles. We got to be consistent. I said we. It's not just y'all. It's me also. It's, it's inclusive. We got to be consistent in practicing spiritual principles. If, if you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to be uh, a protector of your soul, if you will, then there are some things you can't compromise on. Don't let people steal your joy. Don't let, don't let people push you over the edge. Don't worry yourself to death. And never stop praying. He lays out some basic spiritual principles in verses 4 through 7. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. He says in verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He says in verse 6, don't be anxious about anything. But then he goes on to say, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, or King James says supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, now, when you are consistent in these principles, there's a result that comes with it. Verse 7, and the peace of God. This transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's interesting to me that Paul is he's locked up in a Roman prison, but he's still trying to tell people about joy and rejoicing in the Lord. He, he's locked up now in a, in a Roman prison, facing or dealing with the worst situation he could imagine. But he's still trying to preach the gospel. He's still expressing joy in the Lord. Amen. 
One writer teaches us an important lesson. One writer says, our inner, inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. Our inner attitudes doesn't have to reflect our outward circumstances. Everything's going crazy around me, but I still rejoice in the Lord. Everything's going crazy around me, but I'm still treating people. Everything's going crazy around me, but I'm still praying and petitioning God. I, I, I find it interesting, y'all. He was, he was full of joy because he knew no matter what happened to him, the Lord was still with him. Paul, he, he writes extensively in all of his letters about false teachers. He, he writes about death threats, etc. Yet he writes about rejoicing in the Lord. He understands that true joy comes from the Lord. He understands that this is something that can't be fake. It can't be, uh, this is not artificial. It is authentic joy that comes from the Lord. Amen. It's not a false joy that's rooted in people, places, and things. It is a genuine joy that is only possible in the Lord. It is only in God that we can have real joy. Amen. That kind of joy that is sustainable in multiple situations. But not only joy, Paul suggests that you got to work on treating people right. He says, uh, let your gentleness be known to all. You have to work on being gentle towards people. I know that's hard. Yes, it is. We know some mean Christians. We know some mean people. Shout on Sunday. Fussing that people the rest of the week. But, but the text contradicts that. The text says, let your gentleness be made evident to all. So we got to have, we got to protect our joy. We got to work on treating people right. But then thirdly, you, you can't worry yourself to death about stuff. Come on, Paul suggests you need to replace worry with prayer. Instead of worrying about everything else, we got to engage in what I'm going to call results-focused prayer. Paul suggests that we ought to have a targeted or specific prayer about what we need from God, but at the same time, it will produce peace for you or keep us in a place of peace. I, I want to say that's beneficial to our souls and our spiritual health. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, it would thanksgiving present your request to God in the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, King James, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God in the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, which shall, shall guard your heart or keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In the previous verse, Paul says, we ought we to rejoice always because the Lord is near. That should encourage us to stop being anxious or worried. But at the same time, he, he understands that anxious thoughts naturally multiply in times of trouble. But he calls for an honest effort to stop worrying. Instead of worrying, we ought to take it to the Lord in prayer. And that's what's going to produce peace. That's what's going to produce peace. Only by prayer with thanksgiving in every situation is it possible to stop being anxious about anything. I believe all prayer is results focused. I call it results focused prayer because of the three things we need to zoom in on this on this on this text. Prayer, 
petition request. But do it all in Thanksgiving. The first turn in prayer, we know prayer is really talking to God. That's how we communicate with God. We have to consistently pray to God. You can't be in a relationship without communicating with God. I can't be married to Renee without talking to her. Come on now. We can't get better in our marriage without communicating with each other. Uh, you can't grow relationship without communicating with one another. So we have to consistently communicate with God. But in the second term, petition or supplication means we have, if we have a request, a specific request, we ought to let it be made known to God. Paul refers to naming specific items, if you will. He encourages being specific in prayer to God, uh, not giving vague generalities or whatever it is. But he wants us, he's saying to us, we, we need to let God know the desires of our hearts. Yeah. He literally says, let your request be made known to God. He, he's, not, he's not presupposing that God doesn't know us. He's just suggesting we ought to give voice to what we need to, from God. And by we expressing our specific request to God, we acknowledge that we cannot do it without God. Amen. But here's what prayer does. It, it orients our lives and our minds toward God. It orients our souls toward God. It orients our thoughts toward God instead of everything else that's going on around us. Amen. Amen. But with Thanksgiving, it puts us in the right attitude. Yes. Uh, we sing the song, I'm blessed. Yes. I'm blessed. Thank you, Jesus. It puts us in the right attitude yes. about God. Yes. And it, it, it gives us the right perspective on prayer. But then with Thanksgiving, we show that we trust God to deliver and we are confident in him. Yes. This is what produces the peace right here. Verse 7, he makes a promise. It's a guarantee that if we, if we pray to God, if we give it to God, if we are specific with God, then we will experience the peace of God. Yes. Sounds, like, sounds like a guarantee for me. When I pray to God, and when I have thanksgiving to God, uh, I, I expect to get the peace of God that's going to guard my heart and my mind. It's not about how long I pray. It's simply about the attitude with which I pray. With thanksgiving, with petition, let my request be made known to God. Once you get that right, Paul suggests, the text suggests that you, the peace of God will guard your hearts. And your minds in Christ Jesus. This, this inner peace, peace of the soul, y'all, it only comes from God. Uh, this, this inward peace that Paul is talking about is not, it's not tied to any person. It's not tied to anything. It's not tied to how much you make on your job. It's not tied to how big your house is, what kind of car you drive. It, what kind of clothes you wear is simply about this peace that comes from God. This peace of God is, is the opposite of anxiety. It's the opposite of worry. It's the opposite of fear. It's the opposite of stress. It's the opposite of everything that gets us off track. Whatever we go through on a daily basis, y'all, we got to surrender it and submit it to God. And when you have the peace of God, it's hard for anxiety and worry and fear to exist with that. When you pray to God and you give it to God, you're saying, God, I trust you to uh, help me in this situation. God, I trust that you're going to guard my heart and my mind against these anxious thoughts. And God, that you're going to be with me and help me 
walking this day and you yes. are. Yes. Give me your peace for in this present oh, moment yes. and forward. Yes. He says the, the peace of God transcends all understanding. Oh, yes. I mean, in other words, it's hard for me to under, under, understand it or comprehend it. Why are you so peace at peace? It's God. When I would otherwise be tripping, I'm at peace. When I would otherwise be fussing about it, I'm at peace about it. When, when I would be tossing and turning all night, trying to figure out how it's going to get or get, how it's going to get done, I'm at peace about it. Because I've turned it over to God. And then it becomes beneficial to my heart and my soul. It becomes beneficial to my spiritual well-being. But there's more. Number three, you have to maintain a Christ-focused mind. You have to maintain a Christ-focused mind. A mind that is focused on Jesus is the best way to guard your peace and protect your soul. In other words, you have to be careful about your thoughts. You have to be careful about what you're entertaining. You got to be careful about what you're consuming. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Satan, he wants your heart and your head. That's what he's after. He, he wages war in those two areas. He wants your head. If he can get in your head, he can get in your heart. Then you, you're messed up. That's how he wages spiritual warfare. But when you maintain a Christ-focused mind, I'm here to tell you, you have an advantage over the enemy. Amen. He says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He says in verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen of me, Put it into practice. But then he closes it out. And the God of peace yes. will Praise be with God. you. Yes. And the God, that's a guarantee, and yes. the God of peace will be with you. Yes. Let me put it to you like this. In spite of everything that is going on around, going on around us, we have to stay focused on Jesus. Yes. Stay focused on the kingdom of God. Amen. Yes. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because of trust in you. So not only does prayer produce the peace of God, but the right focus produces the peace of God as well. Amen. The question becomes, what are you giving your energy, your time, and your attention to? That's the question. What are you giving your time, your energy, your attention to? The thing that we give the most attention to is the thing that will steal our focus. Uh, it, it, it will be the consequence of our stolen joy and our stolen peace. If I'm focused on politics and I'll always be in a state of frustration about everything that goes on in Richmond and Washington, D.C. If I'm focused on gospel and uh, gossip and drama all the time, then I'll always find myself in the middle of some mess. But if I'm focused on Jesus, I'm guaranteed right. to be in the peace of God because I'm not focused on the foolish things that goes on in the world. So I say you have to you have to monitor what's going on around you, but you can't let it rob you of your joy and your peace. You, you can't let it get in your soul. Jesus was giving the farewell discourse to the disciples in John 14. He promised them the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, yes. whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things yes. and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever yes. I have said unto you. Yes. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. You can't get it from the world. That's right. That's right. Not as the world give, give it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Amplified Version, he says, let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Amen? So a Christ-focused mind thinks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Yes. The truth that corresponds to the teaching of God's word. Noble things that are of moral excellence. The right things that conform to the standards of holiness in God and righteousness in God. The pure things, things that are free from the taint of sin. Yes. The lovely things, the things that are, are attractive and generous and kind and compassionate and have a willingness to forgive. The admirable things, the things that God will be pleased with. Yes, yes, yes. That's what we have to focus on. That's how we have a Christ-focused mind. In other words, what we put into our minds determines what comes out of our in our words and our actions. Amen. That's right. What goes into our minds will eventually corrupt us. Will eventually eat away our souls. And if we're not careful, eventually it's going to show in our actions. It's going to show in our words. Jesus says in Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What, what goes in eventually comes out. So we've got to keep our minds focused on Jesus Christ. Keep our minds focused on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, commendable, virtuous, and praiseworthy. I pray this is, this is helping this one. So the conclusion of the matter is simple. Set your mind on things above and not on things below. It's a very simple point. It's when you set your mind on things above and not on things below. Set your mind on the Lord and not on the things of the world. Trust in the one who will never leave you. No to say. Yes. Uh, as, as the old song says, trust in him who would not leave you, whatsoever years may bring. If my earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to him. Yes. It says, covet not this world, vain riches that so rapidly decay. Seek to gain the heavenly treasures that will never pass away. I love it. You know the song. When your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, fair, right, and holy glory. Your enraptured soul will view. Psalm says, Hold to God. Don't change Oh, don't worry about the world. The world's hand changes, but you got to hold to God's unchanging hand. And when you hold to God's unchanging hand, your soul is anchored in the Lord. Amen. Don't worry about the world's vain riches. Don't worry about what the world got on going on, but hold to God's unchanging hand. We got to stay focused on Jesus Christ. Because the world is going crazy all around. But you need to be anchored in the Lord. Amen. We 
got to stay focused on Jesus Christ. We got to we got to practice sound spiritual principles. That's right. We get messed up when we focus on everything else. That's right. Stay focused on the God of peace. That's right. God is the source of peace for all of us. Amen. My peace is not in stuff. My peace. My peace is not in uh, materialism. But my peace is in God. Amen. So I tell you today, God is concerned about your soul and your spiritual health. Amen. God is concerned about your whole being. And as Paul says, then the God of peace will A moment of power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.